Hey, this is Isaiah Kiner-Fleffa, and this is Rangers Nation Podcast. This is Sam Huff with the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation Podcast. One ball, two strikes, two outs. Six to one, the Rangers lead in the top of the ninth. Feliz the high set. Here comes the pitch. Breaking ball, strike three call. The Rangers are going to the World Series. In the air, shallow right. The Texas Rangers win the pennant. Second consecutive year. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Welcome to Rangers Nation Podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation Podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now, here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation Podcast. Today's episode is Victor Rojas. For anybody who's been a Ranger fan for as long as we have, you know about Victor Rojas. He was with the Texas Rangers as a play-by-play radio man from 2004 to 2008. Little trivia I didn't know. He was the first personality on MLB Network when it came on as he went up to New York in 2009 when it launched. He was the first personality on TV. Then, of course, the last 10 years, he's been with the Los Angeles Angels as the TV play-by-play. He's joining us now as the new GM and president of the Frisco Rough Riders. Victor, how you doing, sir? I can't complain. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. I've actually seen you. uh, We probably ate at a table one time. In 2009, I started getting credentials. And when the Angels were in town, that little place to eat behind the press box up there. Mm -hmm. I think I was sitting at a table by TR or somebody. You were there. But but long ago, before I ever did this, um, there's no way you remember this. But when you were with the Rangers, I I used to, my day job, you've got your day job now doing this. You've got uh, Big Fly also. But I bought at a silent auction thing and came up set with you and eric for an inning or two me and an uncle of mine sat up there and, oh no kidding yeah and you guys did a did an inning or two and we didn't know what to do you turned around and asked <laughs> us questions and we were just like yeah no i mean <laughs> we didn't want to ruin your broadcast going there but um you know before we get into to your career and what's going on we want to start with you um when i have uh, any of the media come on here and it's not players I, I like to ask about you and and your life so tell me where you were born and raised uh i was born in miami and raised in the kansas city area a place called overland park actually stanley kansas but uh, now it's all overland park on the kansas side that's when uh, my dad was playing for the royals and he retired in 77, but we stayed there and uh, went through high school there and then eventually started moving around a little bit because of college and playing baseball. So you're, and, and his dad is Cookie Rojas, 16 years in the big leagues, right? 15, 16 yeah. years yeah. in the big leagues. So you grew up, a, a when you grew up, your dad was a big leaguer. So what was that like? You get to go to the park and hang out and pay, play yeah. catch before games. That I always envy that. That was cool. Yeah, it was very cool. It was uh, very hot on that turf in Kansas City, but uh, that was the old, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the old turf. Yeah, it was like playing on a on a driveway. I mean, it was like asphalt, but uh, it was great. You know, being able to put on a uniform and shag during batting practice with a big uh, crown scoreboard behind you and the, the water fountains going off. Uh, you know, what what can you say? I mean, it was it was a pretty cool time to do that. And uh, when we uh, would finish up, we'd get dressed up, and then during the game, we had end up spending a good chunk of the time in the family room playing tape ball. And uh, you know, Brian, Brian McRae was there back in the day. Uh, he and I are the same age. And 
uh, you know, Marty Patton's kids and Paul Splitorf's kids. And it was just, uh, just kind of a, a cool way to spend the, the entire day at the ballpark. And for those of you that aren't as old as Victor and I, tape ball was a game that was played in many households where you took a roll of tape and made it into yep. a ball and you hit, I hit, we hit with our hands. Did you hit with your hands? Is that what you hit? No, we hit with a uh, broomstick is what we had. Uh, if we didn't find one or we couldn't find one, we use our hands. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, so let me ask you this. Where did you go to college? You went to college on a baseball scholarship, right? Yeah, I played uh, a little bit, uh, a small place called Piedmont College in uh, in Georgia. Then my dad was managing the Angels that year, so I moved out to uh, spend the summer with him. And while working at a camp there, I ended up transferring to a junior college in Palm Springs called College of the Desert. And uh, so I exhausted my sophomore year and uh, went up to and got a scholarship to Lewis Clark State up in Lewiston, Idaho, which is an NAIA school at the time, was you know, winning national championships. So I was fortunate enough to play for, for Ed Schaff up there for a little bit. And um, then I signed in 1990 as a, as a free agent with the Angels. Now, did you play any other sports in high school? I did. I uh, played some basketball and uh, I played varsity tennis as a freshman, sophomore basketball, and then I played varsity baseball the rest of the time. And, um, you know, that's the one thing about growing up, even as a son of a, a major league player that you know, my dad never, uh, we had four boys in our family, never once said, you know, I want you to play baseball or you should go in this route. He always encouraged us to play different sports. And it just so happened that we all fell in love with the game. I, I think for obvious reasons. And, you know, we were all talented to a certain extent. And and that's the, the avenue that we all chose. But we all did play different sports. I think I, of the four boys, I played the most, you know, the, I had the biggest, I guess, <laughs> inventory of sports uh, that I was able to check off, including track and field. And I tried, I dabbled in wrestling for a little bit. That wasn't my thing. Uh, but, you know, baseball is where I ultimately uh, fell in love with. Uh, your, your dad sounds great for doing that. I mean, I know that a lot of these kids today, their, their parents just push them towards it. My dad, basically, he was like, if you're going to play, play. If not, we'll go on vacation. So that my love came from he never forced me to play a sport. I fell in love and played them all till high school, and I just played football and baseball in high school. But obviously, I never went anywhere with that. Or uh, Now, tell me about um, your pro career. You did sign with the Angels. You played in the minor leagues. You pitched, yeah. right? I did. I was a position player in, in, uh, in college, and, and I pitched a little bit. I had you know, pretty decent arm and uh, when I signed with the Angels, Billy Bavese at the time asked me what I wanted to do if I wanted to pitch or uh, be a position player. And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll close. And uh, I just felt like I had the mentality to be a closer. And that's what I did. And uh, got married in my first off season. Uh, my wife, my first wife got pregnant. And uh, it's crazy that I'm talking about Brianna that way because she's now pregnant. And uh, our first grandchild's due here in the next, uh, next couple of days. So uh, it's amazing how time flies. But, I, you know, I played. Uh, I got out of the game and then I went back uh, into the uh, in coaching with the Florida Marlins in 93, which led to a pitching coach job in 94 with an independent league team. And then I, then I got out of baseball and decided to get a you know, real job. So, so you did, that's wild. You got to, I, I just married one off about uh, December is when she got married. I don't push for grandkids, but I'm not opposed. So yeah, it, it'd yeah. be exciting for that to happen. Now, um, <clears throat> So when you, now, now you've got your first grandchild coming, but let's go back to your mm -hmm. pro career. I, I got to ask you this, how hard were you you're closing? Were you touching 99 or were you just? No, no, but see back then we had real <laughs> guns that, that didn't measure from the hand. Uh, we actually had the, the regular guns that would measure by home plate, which is yeah. a more true indication of, of what the velocity is as far as a hitter is concerned. Now I was, a, I lived in the 93, 94 range. 
Still. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I had a, like I said, I feel like I had a pretty good arm. And I still, to this day, I tell my son all the time, I said, if I, if I had the opportunity to play long toss for an extended period of time and get my arm in shape, I do believe that I could still touch 90. In, in my head, I still believe I could touch 90 at least one time. What, Jim Morris? Um, Jim Morris did it, was, but he might have yeah. been younger well, he had, than us. He had the surgery and stuff, so he... <laughs> He was mechanically enhanced, if you like. <laughs> Steve Austin, the bionic man. That's you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now what, what was your – how did you get into broadcasting? Where does that come from? I mean, you got out of baseball after coaching yeah. for a bit. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I ventured off, like I said. I thought professional sports was – well, I did want to be in professional sports, but I thought the front office side was going to be the natural thing for me. And uh, You know, without a college degree, I figured that I'd have to kind of – Kind of speed the the process along a little bit, and so I, I ventured into the. Uh, God, I dabbled in, in. There was a Thursday night boxing uh, thing that happened at the Irvine Marriott. I got hooked up with through a friend of mine with Roy Engelbrecht, who's a big time boxing promoter in Southern California. And so I started my first sports job was handling the music in between rounds at, at ringside on Thursday nights at the Irvine Marriott in California. And then it just led to a couple of other things. Roy got named the president of the Reno football team uh, in Anaheim when the Rams left to go to St. Louis. The Piranhas came to town. So he brought me and his friend over and my buddy over to, uh, to, to go to the Piranhas. He also sat on the board of the Ranch of Cucamonga Quakes, which led me the following season to go work minor league baseball. So I just bounced around. And then I ended up moving back to uh, Miami and I worked with the uh, Florida Panthers organization. And it wasn't really until 20 years ago right now uh, literally right now, 20 years ago, um, we got a job with the Newark Bears um, trying to uh, try to pursue this this path of broadcasting. It was really in December prior to that that I was sitting there. I was working in customer service at Nordstrom in Boca Raton, Florida, kind of an off-season job and not sure what I wanted to do at 31, 32 years of age. Um, and I said, ah, you know what, I think I'm going to try broadcasting if I can. And so my idea was, well, let me call bunch of friends of mine, let me see if I can go play independent ball. And then in my downtime, go to the radio station and kind of learn the craft and get back and figure out the radio business. Well, I, I learned quickly that at 31, 32, not, even my buddies didn't want me back as a, as a player. Um, <laughs> and I was fortunate that I had a, a friend of mine who was coaching for the Newark Bears. And the Bears at the time were owned by Rick Cerrone, the former Yankee catcher. Yeah. And Rick looked at my resume and says, look, man, I don't, I don't need you as a player, but you've got extensive front office experience. Why don't you come up here? We're independent ball. You can be the AGM, put the team together. And then your downtime, you can go upstairs and be the, the analyst on the broadcast because we, they already had a play by play guy. Right. I said, cool. I went up there and my wife was my signing bonus. She became the office manager for the bears. And, um, a month after I got there, a play by play guy quit. This is before the season even started. So I became the default, you know, play by play guy. Meanwhile, I'm signing Jack Armstrong, Jamie Navarro and, Jose Canseco's with us and Jim Lairitz. And uh, I got to learn how to broadcast these games as, you know, the ESPN, <laughs> the national media is with us in Nashville, New Hampshire. And uh, that's how I started my broadcasting career, which is, which is crazy. And then a month into the season, our GM got let go and I became the GM. So um, that was, that was interesting now, in and of itself, but it was a lot of fun. So what's your path then getting to the Rangers? That's what that, that's when I, you came yeah. on my radar. So what's your path from there? Yeah, so I, uh, I did two years in Newark. I worked with Major League Baseball Radio for those two years as well, doing Fall League and had a radio show with Jonathan Mayo. Mayo's still doing stuff on the, on the yeah. prospect oh, side. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I ended up getting hired by the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2003. 
And the weird thing about that was they gave me a one-year contract, which, you know, they, I was a no-name guy out of independent ball, um, but they gave me a mutual option, which was strange. And so, you know, it wasn't a ton of money. It was, but for me, it was great moving from Newark to Phoenix. My, my current wife and the love of my life is, was pregnant with our first child, my second overall. And so we drove to, to Arizona, had a great time, loved the Diamondbacks. The offseason rolled around and I started doing fall league games again. And it was perfect because I was already out there doing it for MLB radio. And then I got a random call from John Blake one day as I was getting ready to start a broadcast. Um, I believe it was in Mesa. I was in Mesa getting ready to do a game. And he asked if I'd be interested in, you know, what's your contract situation? Would I be interested in talking to the Rangers about the, the radio job? And I guess because I was doing these webcasts for the fall league, they, they meaning the Rangers, were listening to the broadcast, John or whomever. Mike Kramer at the time was the president. Right. Um, and I hadn't picked up my option on the Diamondbacks deal. So I, I flew to Arlington and I met with, with JV and Mike Kramer and Eric Nadell and the guys at KRLD. And uh, that's when the station was still right there at the ballpark. And um, lo and behold, I got a three-year offer and it was an easy decision for me to make because uh, it would have been a one-year deal with the Diamondbacks. And versus a three-year deal with the Rangers. And I wouldn't have even come close to my first-year dollars with the Rangers until I'd probably been year three or four with, with Arizona. So it was just – it made perfect sense. And so you're here with the great Eric Nadell, who I, yeah. I know that I see you guys were talking when we'd see in the in – I held the- him back. He would have been a Hall of Famer long before me, but <laughs> those five years he spent with me, I, dr- I drug him down, man. <laughs> now, I now- slowed his path down. <laughs> That's great. So let me, from there, when you go to the MLB network, did, did they, no. did they approach you? They came to you and said, Hey, are you going to. Uh, yeah. Know? So that was 08 and uh, I finished the year. The, so that year MLB network hired Matt Vaskersian from the Padres. Um, so the Padres were interested in me. So I went out to San Diego interviewed for that job, for the TV job. The White Sox were looking for a radio guy. So I went up to Chicago and I interviewed, uh, with the White Sox and talk to them about their job. And I, uh, and I had just recently signed an extension with, with Texas. And then MLB Network reached out and said, would you like to come to uh, New Jersey and do a screen test uh, with Harold Reynolds and a couple of others? And I said, sure. And I went up there and I did that. And, you know, I knew, I knew coming back, as a matter of fact, leaving the studios to go to Newark International Airport to fly back, I called my wife and I told Kim, I said, would you be interested in moving to the Northeast? Cause I got a feeling they're going to, they're going to make an offer. You know, you just get a sense for those things. Sure. Yeah. And, um, and she said, you're going to get the job. I said, yeah, I think I am. And I came back home and I had a conversation with, with John Blake uh, once they made the offer and see the u- unique thing about John had just come back from Boston. Remember he went to the Red Sox for a couple of years. Nolan brought him back. Yeah. And so he had just recently come back. And I had, I remember having a lunch meeting with him saying, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go anywhere. I really would like to stay. Josh Lewin was under contract for one more year. Uh, so that would have been for 2009. Right. And I had language in my contract uh, put in by Mr. Hicks and, and Jeff Kogan that said, if there was ever a TV opening that they would negotiate with me first, because I had already dabbled a little bit on the TV side. And you were wanting to get on the TV side. I really, it didn't really matter to me at that point, at that juncture, all I was saying was if if you're telling me that you might be making a move after 2009, meaning after the uh, expiration of Josh's contract, I'll stay. 
because I loved doing what I was doing. I loved the area. My son was born in Arlington. I, right. I, I, was, I was thrilled working where I was working. I just loved it. And I remember John saying, you know, I, I can't promise you anything right now. And I said, and I said, I get it. I understand where you're coming from, but this is, this is too good of an opportunity to pass up. And that's why I ended up going to 10 Mobile Network. And little did I know, you know, Matt Vaskersian was going to be the main guy, should have been the main guy, is the main guy. Yes. Uh, but he had to take a, a Fiesta Bowl commitment with Fox. And that's why he didn't launch the network on January 1st of 2009. And uh, I was asked to go there and, and be the uh, the first person on the air. That's that's a, a neat piece Scared of trivia. the crap out of me. Yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> now, now, I've, never done TV, I've never done that before. I never really hosted. I'd done some play-by-play on TV, but I never hosted or stood in front of a desk and read a teleprompter. And, you know, I got there, I don't know, maybe like December 27th. We were launching January 1. I walked into the studios and I remember Mike Santini being there and handing me like a, a show rundown. It might as well have been in Japanese. I, I had no idea what all the terminology was. I had to learn on the fly, you know, so, but it was great. Oh, and so that now what, what took you from there to LA? So you, you liked the MLB gig? Well, yeah, I, I, I loved it. Uh, had a two year deal. And so we roll into January of 2010, Rory Marcus, we hear the news of Rory Mar- Marcus had, uh, who had just been, who had been filling in, was the radio guy for the angels had been filling in on TV in 09. He and Mark Guza that November had been named the, the TV team going into 2010. 2010. They were, they were letting go of Steve Fiziak and Rex Hutler, both of whom ended up in Kansas city. Yeah. And so uh, Rory ended up having an aneurysm and, and passed away in January of that. I, I remember that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I didn't think twice about it. Had I still been with the Rangers, I probably, because of my connection to the angels organization, my dad had been there 10 years and played there and all that. I probably would have explored that opportunity, but because we had just moved the year before to, to new, uh, to Secaucus, uh, and moved my family and everything, you know, and I, I was under contract. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. And we had heard there at the network that because of the circumstances and we were so close, they were so close to spring training that they were just going to fill in, you know, find different people from Fox affiliates to fill in for the year and then go into a full fledged search yeah. um, at the end of the year, which made perfect sense. And then I get a random call from Tim Mead, who is now, who is a longtime PR guy for the, uh, for the angels. And at one point an assistant GM, he's the president of the baseball hall of fame now. Um, he called me and I'd known Tim since I was in eighth grade and I'm thinking immediately it was a, it was a mid morning call. And I'm thinking, I looked at my wife, I'm like, Tim's calling. I'm like, you know, what the hell did I say about the angels last night? You know, because we had just done the show the night before. It's like, he's calling me to kind of, you know, read me the riot act, you know, make sure you stay on, on, on the talking points. But he asked me, if, uh, he said that Artie Moreno, had, you know, because each owner owns a part of MLB network. Uh, and having watched, he wanted to know if I'd be interested in flying out to Arizona and talking to him at least about the position. And that's that's ultimately what happened. The, I flew out there and kind of the same situation occurred. We After the meeting, my, I took my wife and my kids out there. I walked down to the pool where they were sitting and I said to her, what do you think about moving to California? <laughs> she goes, they offered you a job. I said, nah, but I got a feeling. Uh, I got a I feeling it's going to happen. I texted Tim right away. I said, Hey, thanks for, thanks for everything. I appreciate you setting this up. And he goes, I'm going to call you here in a minute. And I just showed her the text. I said, here it comes, you know, and, and it was done in a, in a days. I mean, before we even left to go back to New Jersey, we knew that you know, we had a deal in place. 
I can't imagine in a like I used to travel a lot, but I've always based out of here in Dallas. Now you're having to get a house for sale, probably up in where did you live in New Jersey? Is we were in New Jersey, uh, little area just west of uh, in, in in horse country. Luckily, we didn't we hadn't purchased yet, so oh, we were renting good. a house from uh, a great family, and it was horse country. It had like five acres, and oh wow, uh, we were we were contemplating. You know, at that point, we were already talking about buying it. It was an old farmhouse from the 1800s that had been redone. And lo and behold, thankfully we didn't do that. And you know, that we, we were able just to walk away and, and move out to California. There you go. So I, I've got to ask this cause um, you know, look, I, as a guy that loves the game of baseball and I watch all these opposed you for 10 years or how, how long has he been up now? You've got to watch Mike Trout up close and yeah. personal. Seems like a wonderful kid, just a great yes. guy. And just w- telling me about that, watching this guy day in and day out in the work, that, this guy is something else. And I can imagine Big Fly, which I, if anyone doesn't remember you yelling out Big Fly when someone hit one, you you probably uttered that a few times with Trout. Yeah, a few times with Trout and Albert and, you know, a couple of other guys that have uh, come by the uh, by the Angels side of things and, and the Rangers side of things because I've been doing it since I was in Newark. But, yeah, that, that opportunity to watch Mike, you know, I remember going back to when he first got called up um, for good. We were in Cleveland and Bobby uh, Bray was being let go. And that's why Mike was coming up. And he had been up the, the previous year. But it wasn't like, like, I don't remember the height of Mike Trout in the minor leagues on the cusp of getting the big leagues like it is either. today. Like when Acuna was on the cusp or when Juan Soto was on the cusp. It, was, it wasn't anything like that. I don't, at least I don't remember it that way. Yes, I don't either. Um, yeah, and then all of a sudden he's there, and it's like, Jesus. I mean, that's like that's a linebacker running like a wide receiver down the line. You know, it's like you're just seeing things. For me, I hadn't seen since since really since Josh uh, made his debut with the Rangers, Josh Hamilton. Yes, and that that guy was a specimen. That guy was he did things that weren't humanly possible for a, a man that size. You know, the the way he ran, the way he threw, the way the ball sounded off his back. And here I am watching this younger version of it in Mike Trout just kind of evolve. And uh, just an incredibly special kid, great family. Uh, Jeff and Debbie, his parents, are just wonderful people. And, you know, they brought up their kids in a great way. And, and, and Mike, Mike is as genuine as they come. And he's just – he's very humble. And um, I'm, I'm, all the great things that have happened to him in his career, they just – you know, they, they say so, good things. Seems so well-deserved, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. No doubt about it. And, and I, I, so as a as a fan of any team or any sport or anything growing up, you have your sports hate, and your sports hate isn't you hate the person; it's that guy yeah. that kills you. It used to be Guerrero yeah. when he played for the Angels. It's Trout yeah. now. You got uh, Seager over. Don't it. forget, bro. I was on the Ranger side of things. I saw a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> you know, Juan Rivera knocked, and uh, Vladimir Guerrero and Sean Figgins doubling in the ninth inning to lead things. Trust me, I, I remember all those things. <laughs> and but but Trout. In all of them, you know, they just Trotz just seems like such a wonderful guy, and I've seen him under yeah. the tunnel, underneath the, the ballpark, just friendly with everybody. I'm like, God, I just can't hate that guy. He's just so good. But I just yeah. wish one night he'd go over four, or just you yeah. know, or yeah. just you know what you need to rest is what you need. That, that's a, I come yeah. at this different than most because uh, I blog about him and I do the podcast, but I come as a fan, so I, I do a yeah. fan's perspective, and so I am. I'm a homer. I admit I'm a homer. I don't ever try right. to hide that. Um, He's so, a good dude. He really is a good dude. Yeah. He's just a dude. Yeah. And he's funny and 
he goofs on guys and stuff like that. He's just a really good guy. Well, the emotion after the the death that that year I was there yeah. was the year they had the death of the pit. Was it Tyler? Uh, Tyler Skaggs. Tyler, yeah. Tyler Skaggs that passed away, yeah. and uh, and just the, the raw emotion. That's just someone that just loves your their, their friends and all yeah. of that. Um. So tell me about the process of getting this job. So you're the GM and the president. Yeah of uh, yeah. the Frisco Rough Riders, did Chuck show up on your front door? What happened here? Well, Chuck and I have been talking for a couple of years and, and anybody who's known me that's close to me knows that I've been over the last couple of years kind of exploring other things, maybe coming back home. And I've had conversations with John Daniels over the last couple of years about maybe trying to somehow get into the front office side of things. Just, I just wanted to be home. You know? mm. Loved what I was doing. And I could have kept on doing it. If nothing opened itself up, I wasn't just going to leave for the sake of leaving. But I wanted to do, if I was going to transition into something, I wanted it to be in baseball and, and, and keep me at home, or at least closer to home than being in Southern California. Right. And we moved back here to the Texas, to the Metroplex, uh, about six years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, Chuck and I explored some things. We met for a long time, uh, a couple of years ago, um, at TPC there in Las Colinas. And, had a great conversation and we just stayed in touch. And as the, I started my, my online business, I would lean on him and just ask him questions, especially with the three teams that he owned about maybe getting into the minor league licensing side of things. And he was a good sounding board. And we really hadn't spoken much other than I had him on a podcast or podcast back in, uh, back in uh, May of last year. And then, you know, periodic text here and there. And then in November, um, his general manager at the time uh, left and went into the private sector, left baseball. And so he texted me, just kind of a random, I don't know if you know this, but you know, uh, Andy Milovich, my former GM left and just wanted you to, to know that that's, uh, yeah, I may be looking for somebody. He wasn't necessarily looking for somebody because you know, no revenues coming in. They, right. It was almost, almost a godsend, if you will, that a high salaried individual in the organization you didn't have to pay that anymore for the next couple of months or exactly. for however long we could because they had people already there that could take over and just kind of keep things going. And so we really didn't start talking seriously till about the first week of December because remember all the owners at the time were still waiting to get the information from Major League Baseball on what the the PDLs were going to be, the player development licenses, what they was those were going to look like. Right. And um, once he got that, the conversations really – kind of started up and we would talk about twice a week and these conversations would, I mean, I remember our first conversation was an hour long. It was just, it was just, just shooting the breeze, kind of feeling each other out. And, um, and we really didn't get serious about a job and taking over until really right around New Year's Eve. And it was at that point when he realized, or I guess this is what he says is it was when he realized you know, if I was ever going to do something and hire somebody and say, all right, let's not wait. Let's try to change things now. Let's try to make a big time hire, you know, get, get the hoopla behind it and, and get, use that as momentum going into what's going to be an abbreviated 21 season, but really get his feet under him and then hit the ground running for the fall of 21 for the 22 season. Right. And you know what? It takes some stones from a, from a ownership standpoint to say, all right, let's push some chips into the middle of the table, even though we don't know what's going to be happening sure. this year. Right. But I, that's the guy I want. And uh, yeah, I mean, really it was one conversation. 
right before New Year's, I drove back on the third and by the fourth, it was pretty much done. And we were making the announcement later on that week. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, it just happened perfectly. It was a perfect set of circumstances. And, uh, you know, I'm 30 minutes from the ballpark from my office. It's crazy. Uh, well, I tell you what, as a fan, uh, we were thrilled. When I saw you were coming back, I'm like, Victor Rojas going to be, because that was the first credential thing I ever did was go out to Frisco and, and right. go to the game. So I'm sure I'll be running into out there some, some games. Sure. Cause I, I always loved it. I, I'm also, I'm kind of a poor man's Jamie Newberg too. So I like to get into the minor. <laughs> I, you know what? I grew up a fan since 1974. I went to my first game. So a lot of yeah. years you were looking at papers about what was going on in the minor leagues because yeah. there wasn't a lot going on in the major leagues in right, some of those right. years. So that I was one of those guys and Jamie took it and ran and he comes on here a couple times, but I, I, I love Frisco and love going out there. So I can't wait to get out there. Um, so what does the president and GM of a minor league team do? You're not doing player personnel moves. No. Is it all no, about marketing any. and all of that? Yeah, it's basically the business operations of the uh, of the ball club and of the ballpark. Uh, you know, right now we've got some events that are coming up. Uh, the Frisco Class is coming up the first weekend of March, and we've got another collegiate uh, event uh, the last weekend of March. So it's you know it becomes you're an operator of a facility essentially, right. and uh, until the, until the season begins, whenever that's going to be, and we hope it's sometime in May, and that we get close to what a, a full schedule would normally look like. At least that's what we're hoping for from a fingers crossed standpoint. But yeah, it's all about uh, generating revenue from a marketing partnership perspective, from ticket sales, from season ticket sales, from other events, from hospitality. And, you know, I'm kind of getting uh, back into what I was doing 20 years ago in Newark. Uh, really, the broadcasting side in Newark really became kind of a more sideshow. And when I got to, you know, with Rick, being an accounting degree holder from Seton Hall University, he was very adamant about the business side and um, kind of gave me the opportunity to learn what it was like to one, be an entrepreneur, two, to work for an entrepreneur yeah. and having that, that scattered mindset because their mind's going at a million miles an hour um, and they see things a certain way and you kind of have to figure that out. I'm thankful for that opportunity because, you know, Chuck may not be at a million miles an hour at this stage of his career. Um, right. but he is, he has obviously the intellect and, and the wherewithal to, to do this. He's done it at the highest level. Uh, he's done it for a number of years with three minor league teams. He's been involved with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So there's, he, he's had his hands in a lot of different things. So for me, it's the perfect role to kind of transition back into, to learn the business operation side of things, especially from a guy that's got a, a great resume behind him and, uh, you know, and see where it goes. You know, I'm, I'm a three-year, I got assigned a three-year deal. That's what I'm, I'm here for. And we'll see where it leads. Maybe I'm just here for the next 15 years and I'll be content doing that. I, I've never once looked at an opportunity um, at face value. I've always thought, well, am I happy? Number one, at what I'm doing. Yeah. Do I see myself doing this long-term? And if not, okay, it's time to do something else. And that's kind of where I was at with the broadcasting side of things. Can I keep doing it? For sure. Could I keep stealing the money? Absolutely. And it's great money. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially on the TV side, number two market in the country. You kidding me? It's pretty good money. Yeah. Uh, but was my heart in it 100%? Uh, maybe not, because when this opportunity presented itself, it was an easy decision for it became, me. It became attractive. It became very attractive. Yeah, it became, it became very attractive. It's like I get to be home, watch my kids, and my daughters are going to be, she's a senior, going to graduate. So I've missed out, you know, quite a bit of that. My so, son's a sophomore. He's playing, playing baseball. baseball. So I get, I get to watch him now and not, not even worry about, yeah, I'm going to leave the office at 4.30. I'll be there by the second inning. You know? Absolutely. So cool. 
as a guy that used to travel a lot before I ever had kids, I traveled a lot. When my daughter was born, kind of in your situation, it was from not my wife now, but uh, she was a baby. And then when I came off the road traveling, I never realized how much I didn't enjoy traveling as much until I came off the road and went, okay, I really mm-hmm. do. I'm at the ballerina things and all of that. And with the boys, I started coaching them and doing things like that. But I can imagine it feels good, especially your son and your daughter, a senior. You, yeah, you want to mm-hmm. be there for all the activities or yeah. senior year, and then he's playing ball. So uh, that's I mean, fantastic. It was, we, it was January. We were already planning, like, all right, so when's when's graduation? When, when's prom? When's graduation? I can make this. I can't make that. You know, and you start yes. thinking in your head, like, the flights back and forth and, and the like. And it's like, now I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Like, right, I'll be there. You know? <laughs> yeah. I can leave the office right now and be there. So yeah. just get started. That's a great hey, let me, feeling. Let me, let me check with the boss. Oh, wait a second. I am the boss. I can absolutely be there. You know, that's, that's one good thing when you kind of work for yourself. I got to do that too. Now, um, have, do you have aspirations? Would you love to go to a front office job in the major leagues? Yeah. I, I, again, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't want to move into the front office side of things prior to taking this job. Uh, you know, my, my, my heart is in this right now. And I know that I, I know that with Chuck, if we get this to where it should be, where it has been in the past and running smoothly, I think we can do a a number of different things and grow the business uh, laterally, externally, however we want. If we want to, you know, dip our toes in a different type of industry and just kind of go from there. But we've got to get this baby rolling once again at 100 percent and have it pumping so that we can afford to do other things uh, and go in different ways. You know, I never say no to anything. I'll always listen, but I'm not even thinking about that. For right. me, it's like I want to be. I want to be the the very best that I can be, and and be able to leave. If I'm going to leave, whether by 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 circumstance or by Chuck's decision, yes, <laughs> I want to leave having you know known that I I I gave it my all. I gave it my best. I didn't cheat anybody. Uh, I left it all on the table there, and you know, let the chips fall where they may. Well, so here's a question about the Rough Riders then. Now, the last time they played baseball, Ryan Ruliard was the one that did the play-by-play. Who's going to be doing your play-by-play? Do you all have someone yet? No, not, we haven't decided what we're going to go with. That's, that is so far down the road right now. I'm in the process. You know, I came on board and we had, um, including myself, 11 staffers. And this is an organization at one point, at a high watermark, was in the mid-50s as full-time staff. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever back in the mid-50s. I think we need to streamline things. Uh, but you know, my focus right now, I just brought in a VP of ticket sales. I just hired our director of marketing communications and she's going to start on Monday. We're looking for a director of ticket operations. We need a corporate sales person. We need a director of finance. So there's a a number of different things before we start dealing with the season. Uh, I know Zach had been there back in 2019 and, uh, and done the, the, the webcasts. Uh, and I anticipate him coming back. I don't, but I haven't had that conversation nor have I even thought about doing it. I just know it's not going to be me doing the broadcast. That's for sure. Zach, who was Zach? Cause I know Ron Ruliard was the one that was the play by play in 19. We've done some as well. And just a number of different individuals that we've, we've talked about internally. Uh, but you know, I have no, I have, I've never listened to them. Uh, yeah. but who knows? Maybe, maybe Scott Garner makes a, a return from, uh, <laughs> he's doing and, and starts calling games at the, at the ballpark again. Well, that'll be fun. I can't wait. I loved getting up there and, and Ron was over there. So, you know, if you, Hey, I'm free. If you need me to go get ticket sales or something, I'll help you out. I, I've got a career. Right. I'd love to. I'm, I'm, I'm always willing to do it. So uh, before we wind down, tell me about big fly gear. I ordered my shirt and I gave you some crap the other day. It hadn't got here yet. I was just being funny, but I can't yeah. wait to get it. So tell me about big fly gear and how you got that thing and where we can find it. 
Yeah. So three years ago, uh, wanted to start a business and kind of teach the kids the entrepreneurial spirit about having an idea and seeing it through to fruition and and, and taking it to market. And uh, yeah, I've dabbled in the merchandise side of things in the past. And uh, Big Fly being my home run call, wanted to do something in the baseball space. Um, and uh, you know, baseballism. Uh, before they started getting into more of the licensing stuff with like the Clemente and, and now the Grippy stuff, um, you know, they had a really nice niche. They carved out a nice little niche for themselves. Uh, and it wasn't the traditional baseball garb that you see, whether it's a logo or player's likeness and stuff like that. And so I said, if we're going to do this, we have to come up with something unique because uh, I don't want to be another, I don't want to follow in somebody else's footsteps. And so I came up with this idea of a player, person, or, uh, and or moment in baseball history revolving around the home run. And then creating a one-of-a-kind graphic. Since we're not a licensee of Major League Baseball, the Players Association, we can't use names or players' uh, you know, logos or anything like that. So I, I, fortunately, I found a great designer in California. He comes up with uh, – I come up with the concept of what I'd like to see as far as the story because we're storytellers. And then he pencils it out, and we come up with a, with a graphic that, that essentially tells the story. With the idea being that it's, it's a cool graphic that catches your eye. Yep. You end up buying it. And if somebody stops you and says, hey, what, what does that mean? What does that signify? Now you know what the story is behind it. And you get to share the, a baseball story and the history of the game with somebody else. And, you know, being a broadcaster, that's normally what we, we do on a daily basis is yeah. we tell stories. And so that's what I wanted the premise to be behind the business. So we launched it. As a matter of fact, two years ago yesterday online, it's bigflygear.com. And it's been amazing. Uh, we had a great run the first uh, year. Didn't spend a whole lot of money in advertising. Just felt like we would grow it organically. Last year, we were off to a terrific start with the Mike Trout shirt, and then COVID hit. Um, but even still, uh, we surpassed our first year's revenues by 60% last year. Had a great run through from Black Friday through uh, the end of the year, especially with our World Series shirts that we made for the Dodgers yep. in honor of their World Championships. And now we're off and running again. You know, somehow we had a phenomenal January. We're off to a great start in February and we'll see where it goes. You know, it's just uh, baby steps. It feels like it's been 10 years. I mean, with all the things that are, because we run it out of our house. Right. It's, yeah. it's Kim, my wife and my kids. And uh, we carry the inventory. We, we do all the purchasing and packaging and everything. So when you get something from us, it's, it's literally packaged by us and processed by us. Well, that's fantastic. I, I, you need to go online, guys, and see this stuff. The, the shirt I got, I, I, man, I went back and forth. I almost got a, the hoodie, I, and I ended up getting a T-shirt because my wife ends up sleeping in all my T-shirts, and, yeah. so, and I don't have a problem with that. So she, oh, she nice. <laughs> we, uh, we ended up – I had Jimmy Jack. I had a Jimmy Jack shirt uh, for a time, and we are currently – well, Jimmy Jack is something that Eric says all the time, and that's where I learned it from. Yeah. That's where I learned it from. So we're, uh, we're in the process of reimagining the Jimmy Jack – uh, it's going to be in the uh, in the Rangers uh, script font, and uh, we'll put it on a on a light blue shirt, and uh, that'll be coming out hopefully in the next uh, month or so. Oh well, I'll get one of them too. I'm I'm a sucker for that. So that sounds great. Hey, listen, this has been fantastic, Victor. Thank you so much for coming on. I am going to get real quick before we sign off, I'm going to get a plug from you that I throw out there from all the players and media, and just give me who you are with the Frisco Rough Riders, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Victor Rojas, the president of the Frisco Rough Riders, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. That's it. Well, guys, that's Victor Rojas, the new Victor Rojas, the new president and GM of the Frisco Rough Riders. Um, thank you for joining us today. And like I say at the end of everything I write and the every one of these, nerd out. Like